Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Aaron Lowe. And if this is your first episode and you're wondering what this whole thing is all about, well, I'll tell you. Every week, I find my head surgically attached to the body of a different friend and cinephile. Together, we are given a note containing a theme, sometimes specific and sometimes vague. Our job is then to pick a pair of movies that fit that theme and then watch and discuss. This is The Incredible Two-Headed Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody, and welcome to our official first Halloween episode. I mean, all you know, I I call I, I act like Halloween is something special. Like I don't talk about horror almost every other episode, but all month we're going to be talking about horror. Got a great guest today. Uh, our theme for this month, before we get to that, is going to be recent horror movies. We're we're looking at stuff from the last decade at least. Uh, preferably within just the last couple of years, we're looking for more recent stuff because I, I think every podcast out there really hones in on the 70s and 80s. And then, of course, you know, everybody knows all the classic horrors. Maybe we'll do that next year. But this year we're looking for kind of recent, maybe underrepresented horror films. And to help me get this month started, um, to we've got a couple of great movies, but not to help me get started is returning guest Jay Carlos Menjivar of Dial F for Film. Uh, Carlos, how are you doing tonight? Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm excited to talk about these two really strange movies. And uh, I'm going to have an even stranger night because I am going to the new Beverly tonight uh, for a midnight showing of Mulholland Drive. Oh, God. <laughs> That's so good. That's yeah, going to be great. Yeah, I've never seen it on the big screen. So I'm really excited. And I uh, actually watched it earlier this year uh, for maybe the second or third time. Uh, so I'm really excited to, to, to go to this. Yeah, well, you know me and Lynch. Like, I yes. love David Lynch. And <laughs> yeah. that, one, that one I did see in theaters. Mm -hmm. it's, it's one that, like, I don't know. I, it, I like it more and more every time I see it. I loved it in theaters. But I also remember thinking, like, this is the movie that Lynch is going to get nominated for an Oscar for like <laughs> only because I was like, why hasn't it like, I, I loved it, but I was also like, what about the straight story? And this is basically just a redux of a uh, lost highway uh, at the right. time. And, but every time I watch it now, I'm like, no, this is a masterpiece. This is, this is absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. It's so great. Uh, the first time I watched this movie it was actually I recorded it off of USA, so ah. it was he heavily censored. Oh my god, I can't <laughs> even imagine. Yeah, uh, that was the first time I watched it, uh, and then it wasn't until later when I bought the DVD. Um, it, it, what's interesting about that DVD too is it has no chapter breaks because I guess Lynch one uh, wants you to watch the movie from beginning to end without you know skipping around yeah. or. Uh, which is like, whoa, that's really crazy. Yeah, and it has that list of things to look out for. Like, he famously doesn't talk about his movies, but yeah. that list of, like, look for the red lamp and, like, all this <laughs> other stuff, like, that you kind of, like, wouldn't otherwise ascribe any meaning to, really. 
yeah it's like a list of like 10 things right i think yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's i'm gonna i'm gonna reread that uh before i head out tonight see if i can figure this movie out uh once and for all well it's funny he says that because i this is a big tangent but my first dvd player was an uh was an rca and Mm -hmm. i had it for like 12 years before it finally stopped working and it it still worked i just would have to like turn it on and off every once in a while right (laughs) um but it was uh, it had something that I don't think DVD players really have anymore, which was random. You could watch the movie where it would randomly skip through chapters. And <laughs> wow. I tried that with one of the only two DVDs I had at the time. I tried it with The Matrix. And it was such a weird experience to just like be randomly jumping through scenes in that movie. It was actually really cool. I, I would like to like Mulholland Drive seems like a movie that could work for that. Yeah, that's so weird. I never heard of that. That's I, I if I had that, I probably would use it a lot. <laughs> I know. I, I actually wish my uh, well, I'm, I mean, I, now everything I just watch it on the PlayStation, but I, I wish I could do that still. Uh, so I, I think getting to the episode on, at hand, I think I've got kind of like my favorite type of episode tonight where Ooh. neither of us has any had any information like sorry neither of us had any experience with the movie that the other picked like i had never even yeah. heard of the one you chose until <laughs> until yeah. you mentioned it i thought i had heard of it but then i was like looking into it I'm like no i don't know what this is at all um and as far as i know you hadn't seen mine so we're not even going to talk about like i don't want to even know if you liked or hated it or just were like <laughs> meh on mine but we're going to yeah. take a quick break uh, and we'll come back and we'll be talking about the first of our two movies, uh, which I, I should say, uh, Der Samurai from 2014, Germany. And, and your choice, the, the oddly translated, the oddly titled The Laplace's Demon from Italy, 2017. A couple of, uh, I think, under-discussed, like, I'd never even heard of yours. And uh, I don't see many people talking about my choice, but let's uh, take a break. Listen to the trailer uh, for... Dur Samurai. Wolski, hallo? Ist das die Polizei? Gefahr ich dir. Dear Samurai, Till Kleinert's 2014 oddity uh, is set in a small German village where a meek local policeman on a, like a police force of apparently two uh, kind of a laughing stock in this small town among the uh, younger generation or his peers, anyway, and the older uh, chief of police. He finds himself one night in a weird cat and mouse game with a uh, cross dressing man and a samurai sword uh, and a weird 
uh, path of carnage is is cut across this small town. I'm kind of stumbling over how to describe it. The movie is kind of simple, I guess. I guess that was a, a simple to, like explanation, but I, I got to talk about it before you, we get to like your thoughts on it at all. When I first saw this a couple years ago on Shudder, I found it very oddly hypnotic. I was like captivated the entire time and it ended. I was like, I'm not sure if that movie was good or not. Did I like that? Like, was I just like under a spell? And I watched it again the next night. I'm like, no, I, I think I liked it. And then I saw it was leaving Shudder soon and I, I watched it again and it was gone for a while and it came back on Shudder. And so I wanted to do this and we were, ta we're talking about it now. Um, I think I love this movie a lot. Like after I watched it the last time, I, I ordered the Blu-ray and watched it again. Like I, I like, there's something about this movie and it, it's kind of messy. It, not everything lands like it's supposed to. The metaphor is really mixed up about what it's going for in this movie. But there's like, there's like a fairy tale dreamlike logic and the guy that's playing the, uh, the man in the, the white, dress with the sword yeah. he's such his name is Pitt Bukowski he's such an oddball and such a weird energy on the screen that I, I there's something about this movie and I'm not even like maybe we'll parse it out but I <laughs> I really like this movie a lot yeah but, but um, what, what did you think I um yeah I've seen it never seen it never heard of it uh, until you mentioned it to me. And uh, I really like this movie. Uh, I, it was such a strange journey and I really didn't know where it was going. Yeah. Um, it's so, and yeah, like I agree with you. It's very hypnotic. Um, I was really, yeah, just invested in where, where this like movie was going to go. And I like that you said that you mentioned like a fairy tale quality. It kind of does uh, in a way feel like, Alice in Wonderland <laughs> like he's yeah he's kind of just following this you know white rabbit down this hole of like mayhem and murder and it's just so weird but I, I really did enjoy this film yeah well Alice in Wonderland is a good one I it's very Grimm's fairy tale too because it's got yeah there's a wolf stalking this village that there's this very small town that seems completely isolated not not completely there's a highway and a, a you know a traveler comes through yeah but it, it just seems like it's such its own corner of the world. It doesn't quite feel like a real city, even though like people seem like real people. Everybody is a believable person. There's something um, a little artificial about it in a way. And, and, and so there's this lone wolf stalking it, uh, stalking the village. And it just has that kind of like, you know, Germanic, deep, dark forests. Like they, they seem haunted in a way. Uh, even before the the uh, samurai sword wielding uh, maniac comes through, uh, and sorry, um, and everything seems to be a metaphor. But I watching it this time, I'm I'm not quite sure what the metaphor is supposed to be because, well, the movie opens up with um, the police officer whose name I am looking up because I just, I, I mean, I just watched this movie twice. And hey, I, uh, Jacob? Ah, uh, Jacob. So the young police officer, Jacob, it opens with him taking a, a bag of meat uh, and like bloody meat uh, 
out to out and like leaving it in the forest and there's a wolf that's been spotted around the village and, and it's a worry for people but he doesn't want to kill it he has a strategy which is he's basically leaving meat out in the woods so that the it doesn't come near the houses um to which the older officer Horvath says well what are you going to do if what happens if you stop feeding it <laughs> like right like yeah <laughs> and the wolf is a metaphor for something because later at the police office he gets a a package addressed to him or it's addressed to the lone wolf care of him right and and that ends up taking him to uh the samurai it is the sword basically he delivers it yeah but he doesn't know what's inside of it so the wolf is the wolf the samurai that seems pretty like they're they are supposed to be connected it seems like maybe they are the same thing for a while. Like he's seeing the wolf because he sees the wolf outside of the house where he find, he meets the samurai and then he sees it at a, a couple other points and it always seems to just be like connected to the samurai. But then right. also is, is the wolf him? Like is it a metaphor for his how buttoned up he is? Like how timid he is? Or is it a metaphor for his sexuality? Uh, just that he needs to be free and open with himself? It it's all sorts of things, but then in the end, it kind of like mixes those up and and confounds things. Doesn't doesn't go where you think it's going to go. If those are the metaphors we're supposed to be getting, um, that that's what part of I think what I really I really connect to in this movie that I really like is because it's so open to interpretation, but all of the interpretations have something in the movie that contradicts it. <laughs> like it's right. just, yeah, it, it it is very mysterious in a way that like isn't confusing right like there's a mystery and confusion that can be easy to mix up in a movie like a movie can be trying to make you think it's mysterious but it's really just confusing but this i think is is mysterious genuinely yeah the the lone wolf metaphor is so weird because it applies not it applies to the wolf it applies to the samurai and it also applies to Jacob because someone, uh, that woman calls him that, uh, that picks him up in the car. And he's like, why, why did you just call me that? Mm-hmm. So I was for a while, I thought maybe that all these three, uh, the wolf and the two characters just sort of the same thing. Well, but by the end, it doesn't seem like it is. No. Or, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that was it. Oh, well, I was going to say, because I've, I mean, I've seen this movie several times, obviously, and mm-hmm. still there is a moment where you're like, wait, are they, are they the same? Is this a, like a, you know, split personality or yeah. he's, ha- he's talking to his imaginary friend because when the, the older police officer calls him up, like he call he tries to call uh, the older officer and like the phone gets shut off. He won't answer. He's getting a massage <laughs> and the, the, yeah. <laughs> the masseuse turns off the phone for him. Um, when he calls him after the the samurai has been out like basically yeah i don't think he's done anything terrible he's just been like uh causing property damage and scaring people inside their homes and, uh-huh. and he he calls him up or he calls the officer and he's like are you wearing a wedding dress <laughs> like that's the first thing he's <laughs> like like there there are people been calling in a, a cross dresser 
chopping things up with a samurai sword. And his first thought is like, oh, I bet it's this younger police officer, this dipshit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> or, or people are saying it is him. So like the movie is is kind of leading you to believe for a very long time that he is doing all of this and he's just kind of like imagining somebody else to take the blame. Uh, right. But at, at the end, I think I think definitively at the end it says no, but it still doesn't explain. We're, I mean, we're jumping all over with the plot. It still doesn't really explain by the end of the movie who the samurai is or what the samurai is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the movie still is a mystery when, when it all wraps up. Um, yeah, the, the, it's so, like, the journey itself is so, like, dreamlike. Like, because it takes place over one night, right? The, the yeah. entire movie. Yeah. So, and it's just this, like, scene after scene, like, characters come and go. Uh, like the those uh, like jocks uh, that were messing around with him, uh, or uh, or the other way around, I guess. And it's like <laughs> you wonder why these characters are even in the movie, and then they come back into the story later on. Um, and also, it's it seemed like in that scene, it seemed like uh, <laughs> Germany's like uh, drinking and driving laws seem so, uh, lax. It's like, <laughs> I, well, just switch seats. <laughs> I was like, okay. He's I, already intent to drive. Yeah. I think it's just a sign of how much they don't respect him. Yeah. I, I think for him that the, the two reasons he said when he saw the guy drinking on the motorcycle, just switch seats with the woman is because he knew he wasn't going to be able to win any standoff with that biker gang yeah uh, and but but also he wanted to try and humiliate the guy by making the woman drive him uh and then he, the guy was just like well we're just going to switch back when you're not around <laughs> uh but yeah it, um i'm trying to think what was i gonna say here oh uh back to the uh, the samurai who Pit Bukowski, which is his name, very odd name, but uh, it seems kind of fitting for this character as well. Um, I read a, one of the few things I could find on this was a review for, for it on the dissolve, uh, which no longer exists. Um, that basically said that the casting of Pit Bukowski was a little bit like shadow of the vampire where you kind of think maybe they actually found a supernatural creature to star in their movie because oh, he's such a, he's so weird on the, in the film. Like the, I know it's all editing, but like when that first scene, when he's running through the woods and he just seems to kind of keep popping out of weird spots or he's doing like weird flips or yeah. gymnastic routines it, and you're only catching glimpses of it. And he, I don't know. He's, I think, I mean, he's great in this. He's, he's so, he's really good to watch as a, like, and, I, I can't even call him an antagonist. Um, yeah, it's yeah. He doesn't. That's that's what's so weird, like that, and also like what it seems like there's some kind of history and relationship between the samurai and Jacob, but it doesn't really go in depth as to why he's even so. I mean, he's he is doing his job as a cop, but like he seems really obsessed with uh, capturing. The samurai, or at least, I, I don't know. It doesn't. It almost doesn't seem like he wants. To, like he wants to like find out what is at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, he he's very. Um, 
he there is like i said it, it uh, like it's a metaphor maybe for his sexuality there there is a sexual component like they have chemistry and not just in like a scene partner way there there is yeah. something between them and it, he kind of like fights against it but then as the night goes on he, he kind of like his defenses wear down um there's that that scene when he catches up to the samurai where the samurai tells him like imagine this scenario instead of delivering the sword you went to that party you saw me dancing and we like we both started dancing in the and there's like the scene like it shows the reenactment uh, the fantasy scene of them dancing while everybody's just watching them and kind of like smiling and laughing and it it i i i keep coming back to the thing that i don't know who the samurai is or what he is it's it seems at this point i'm thinking like well it's the wolf because when uh jacob instead of like I don't know what he wanted him to do, but when Jacob like arrests him at that moment, at, like the samurai's line is like, you're so, you're so much more disappointing. Like, I, I thought you would be different. I thought you would be bolder. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like he's been called to him, like, like he's coming. That's why I'm thinking the wolf because the wolf only knows him as this person who's been feeding him, this person who comes out of the woods and he's clearly like, like him, a lone wolf, but also, uh, confined somehow and he's disappointed that there isn't that connection that he was expecting uh, yeah i i don't know uh, it, it <laughs> i don't know what to say about it but it, it yeah i feel you yeah it's such a it, it, like it, I, I think i agree with you it is the movie is a little messy there's it's, it feels like a lot of different things are going on as far as the the signs and symbols within the movie because when you think it's maybe one thing it turns out that maybe it's not that maybe it's something else or a combination of these things um a lot the movie does feel in a lot of ways like it is a werewolf movie and Hmm. the samurai is that wolf i mean there's the shots of him running naked in uh in the forest which reminded me a lot of american werewolf in london and similar scenes where he's um, imagining himself uh, I forget uh, the main character in that movie, uh, imagining himself running through the woods as a, you know, hunting a deer, I think. Um, and I mean, it's similarly in this way, in the way that the movie ends in the forest with the bag of meat, um, it just feels like that's like the connection. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's weird. I mean, like jumping ahead. Cause yeah, the, uh, the samurai at the end escapes police custody and runs off into the woods and then, yeah. Jacob finds him, comes across the samurai naked on all fours, basically eating a bat from the bag of raw meat that he's out there, which is t- again tying in yeah. Yeah. that it is the wolf. But the wolf is so clearly not a real wolf. Like, I, is it, it, it's, it, it, we can't expect any rules to the sort of supernatural in this because it is just a Grimm's fairy tale type. And this happened and this happened and this happened. And there's no like, yeah. underlying mythology to any of it it is just like being made up on the fly um and and also conveying kind of mixed messages about what what it is trying to say uh i, I mean before we get to like the very end i want to go back and talk a little bit more about some of the plot um i part of the reason i bought this on blu-ray is because it, 
you know, watching it streaming, I, there was always that moment where the bandwidth drops out and everything gets really pixelated. Uh, yeah. And I wanted to be able to watch it like in like a more, <laughs> uh, more consistent visual quality. And it's yeah. kind of filmed in different, there, there are different film sources. So uh, it, it does kind of like dip in quality a little bit naturally. Um, but yeah. I think it all looks good. I, I think, I looked the director up and the director's done a bunch of shorts, hasn't really done done too much. Um, I think he's only got, yeah, this is only feature film, I think. He, he yeah. worked on a on some TV stuff and some uh, some short films before he got this. I I think like I think it's really well put together. Visually, it's always very striking. There's a really good color palette to this movie and and um really great lighting uh yeah, everything yeah. Is, is framed really well and the use of music and sound is is pretty good like i i said hypnotic uh and, and i do believe that in a way it is because the music is um well except for like one <laughs> one moment where it's not but the movie the music is very kind of like soothing um I, I kind of I'm excited to see if he does another movie or what what kind of genre he'll stick it in because this isn't even really it, it's only a horror movie because there's a, a body count by the end of it <laughs> like right it's not yeah it, it's not a movie that's really trying to scare you in any way no definitely um yeah it it, it, it it's very genre bending it's definitely a, a borrows from a lot of different sources and mythologies and cultures and it, it, it's such a strange like even the title is like the samurai and it's a german movie and it's just it's there's yeah there's something really cool about this movie i don't know it seems like it's well i'm gonna just like i'm just gonna say this mm -hmm. that uh the samurai with the like kind of the, the almost a cleft palette like a scar um on his upper lip yeah and the long blonde hair and that white like almost like wedding gown holding mm -hmm. a samurai sword like well he's like a cool looking figure right it's yeah he looks awesome and that scene when the bikers all like circle him and like the oh, wind's man. whipping his hair around and the, he's just <laughs> hit by the bike light motorcycle yeah. lights it i mean it's it's on one of the covers for the dvd not the one i have but it it's pretty awesome looking like there's there is just like a coolness to this movie in yeah like, there really is like beyond or like on a surface level before we get to like the um the fairy tale aspect or what any of it means yeah it yeah it yeah visually i think it's very stylized and and it's it's not too flashy but there's a lot of like really like you said a, a lot of really good shots um and the colors are great it's uh, it, like I think it's in the scenes where it, it, it's darker. That's where the quality kind of dips. But other than that, uh, it looks great. Um, yeah, I, you, I, I did want to bring up the, the, the fact that in the movie it seems like the, the, the wolf is like the luring force, uh, for Jacob, and then the, the package that that has the samurai sword is sort of like the opening of like a. Like a bottle, like genie in a bottle kind of 
because it's so weird that that like <laughs> it kind of doesn't make sense. Like you, you know, you want a sandwich that you do, or it kind of does, I guess, deliver it to to this person who then delivers hand delivers it to you, and it's the you know the weapon that the samurai uses is this sword, and it's kind of almost like a like a handing of like the, all this chaos, like opening this package releases all this, uh, yeah, unfolds. That's how the story unfolds. And it just adds more to that fairy tale quality of of the movie. Yeah, it's also the fact that Jacob is giving him this weapon. Jacob is, it, it's almost like in a vampire story that he's in he's invited him in to cause the chaos now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like like what would the samurai have done if he hadn't decided, like, okay, I'll go out in the middle of the night and give you the sword after this really creepy fucking call. Um because the, oh, yeah. the samurai calls him in the middle of the night and he's at home and he's making a model like replica of the village. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a weird conversation and it, it's, it's clearly, I, I think this is where he's kind of showing off some of his influences because uh, we talked about him in the beginning, but that, that phone conversation is shot like a David Lynch film where mm. it, a lot of the conversation is, is happening off screen as the camera is holding on like the telephone line and then it kind of starts ominously following it and and focusing on the uh telephone cables outside the wires and everything um it, it, the first time i saw it i was like i thought there was going to be something important about that symbolism but i think it, it really is just like a um like a, a, in a, a weird image like a surreal or yeah or kind of oddball choice that that fits in with what he's trying to do with the rest of this movie but yeah um if jacob hadn't delivered that sword like maybe none of it would have happened maybe the wolf wouldn't like he's basically inviting the wolf into the village because the the wolf has had like an abandoned house on the outskirts of the village and then kind of like is brought the sword and goes off on his rampage in the room. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, that's true. It is kind of and it, it that kind of connects back to that conversation that you mentioned that happens early on when the guy questions him about feeding the wolf. Like you know, like what if you don't feed the wolf? Yeah, and yeah, it's kind of like that connects it back to that. Well, the um, so I think it's clear that on a fundamental level, the samurai is meant to it, 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 the, the movie itself is meant to be about um jacob's fear of letting himself loose like right like yeah uh, of of doing the things that he wants of expressing his desires even of leaving his his like grandmother which i mean seems like callous thing to do leave his grandmother but he's caring for his grand his dementia at, at, like a suffering grandmother and he just goes home and he plays cards with her he has to remind her about the rules the entire time and then he builds model houses of the village yeah um, like he's not doing anything with his life which you we get that scene later on where he, he finds that woman whose car is broken down in the highway and in the middle of the woods and he helps her replaces the tire and she gives him a ride into town and then he has a brief fantasy moment where he just like leans over and kisses her and they make out for a minute. And like, you know, he, he doesn't seem to want to stay in this village, but he's, he's kind of too caged. He's caged himself somehow. And the samurai it clearly is trying to coax him out. Right. Like that, that's, that's yeah. what he's, he's trying to do is 
break him out of the cage that he's put himself in. Um, which I guess we can just kind of get towards it. We've been talking around it, like makes the ending to me, I think I get it now, but it's very confounding how this movie ends if you consider that that's what the metaphor is, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I haven't seen it only once. I'm still kind of like in, in a daze over that ending because I don't understand the ending. So <laughs> but to get to the ending, like the, the samurai is, uh, is walking through the city at night. Uh, the whole thing is at night. And that motorcycle gang that's been kind of like a thorn in uh, Jacob's side the entire movie is they, they come up and circle him. And they're kind of like, you can tell like, oh, look, we, it's a small town. They, they're maybe a little backwards in their mentality. They're like, oh, look at this weirdo in a dress. We got to beat him up kind of attitude. Yeah. And Jacob runs up and he's like, no, no, leave him alone. But then he gets, he gets knocked out. And the scene, the thing I can compare it to most is, or best, is the scene from Let the Right One In at the end when he's being held underwater and you just see kind of like glimpses of the massacre that's happening <laughs> uh, off uh, like oh yeah vision i find this scene very much like that because right the samurai then lets loose he hasn't killed like a lot of people yet is this the first time he's killed a person actually uh yeah maybe i don't think yeah i, I don't remember is any he, other i think he might have killed a dog or he did kill oh, a dog, right and yeah but, yeah but he this time he he like jacob is passing out but he gets glimpses of the samurai encircled by the motorcycle gang and just like killing all of them <laughs> like, yeah like really being a samurai in this moment i guess yeah um, yeah <laughs> that that was really cool <laughs> that, that was a cool scene and so jacob passes out for a bit he gets he comes to and then like basically finds the samurai has has created a bonfire on the soccer field. He's tied up the older police officer Horvath, which is the moment when like this is this massacre in the scene are kind of when you realize like, okay, maybe the samurai is not Jacob, right? Like it's not just a manifestation of Jacob. Yeah. Um, but he gets arrested. Like it, it, well. Well, before that. <laughs> I mean, he, he, uh, the, I think that, that scene of what does what did you say his name was? Horvat? Horvat? Yeah. The older cop. Yeah. When, when he gets killed, I gasped. I, like I knew it was coming, but I, I think for a moment, I, I kind of believe the samurai a little too much. <laughs> and it happened so quick, like his beheading and the yeah. amount of blood that pours out of him is insane. But yeah, that, that really got me. Like I was not, it was just it felt it was so shocking yeah there was also um one other moment that i think is really like i can't quite explain or i don't know what if it's real or not is when jacob sees the head of the woman who gave him a ride in like has been decapitated is in the bonfire oh head right opens, the, the head opens her eyes and the samurai says did you really think that you were going to go with her or she wouldn't want you to come something like that? Uh -huh. And then Jacob like closes his eyes and opens him again. And it's just a burning skull. And yeah. Was that really 
her? Like, did the samurai kill her? Or or is Jacob just seeing things and the samurai is like, I, I don't know if that really happened or not. Yeah, I well, I'm thinking that maybe the samurai did because like everyone in that group was a casualty. I don't think the samurai stopped to think that. Or did he know that? He had a thing for her. Well, There's I guess so. There, yeah. there, that that also lends credence to the idea that maybe the samurai is a manifestation of Jacob, but a different person that other people can see as well. Yeah. And that's, what I, that's what I talk about when I say that this like it's so mixed up. Like, well, it yeah, the, it doesn't all quite like make Adam. sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, going with that, uh, that 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 metaphor, maybe maybe it is like a projection because in the scene where we when where uh, Jacob asks asks him to switch seats, he he doesn't feel great about these guys that are practically taunting him and kind of making him feel small, but also I think he is a little resentful of the girl because she hangs around these guys so maybe like the samurai you know slaughtering all those people uh from the from the gang was sort of like him externalizing that those feelings of anxiety that he probably was feeling towards them but i don't know but then that puts into question the reality of the movie is this all in his head is i don't know because yeah because it pointedly in the movie the only people that the samurai harasses or kills are people that have treated Jacob poorly. Yes. Other than, other than his grandmother, who Jacob obviously maybe like if we're taking the fact or if we're following the track that maybe the samurai is Jacob, Jacob probably feels smothered by her in a way like, like he's chained to her and he can't just leave her and go off and do what he wants. Yeah. And, so you, you, like that could be a reason the samurai comes, and actually, that, I think that that's pretty much what the samurai explicitly does is like, like this person's holding you back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and mess with her for a bit. Yeah, because um, when he then, comes in, she, the samurai uh, doesn't kill her, but uh, slams the sword onto the table. Yeah, and it's sort of like a to that me seems, kinda... that seems very upsetting. I'm sorry, I'll let you continue, and then maybe I'll I'll say why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just kind of like if we're going with that trajectory, it's sort of like his declaration of like, I'm the boss, <laughs> grandma. <laughs> like, I'm not going to hurt you, but you need to understand that I'm the boss. Yeah, well, like I said, that scene is upsetting because they're playing. I, I don't know what they're playing, but he keeps telling her to draw more cards because she after every <laughs> movement, she has to be reminded what the rules are. And, it's, and she's like, what do I do now? And he like, draw two cards. And she's like, OK, draw two cards. What do I do now? Draw four cards. And she like kind of goes, huh, draws four cards. Like, what do I do now? Draw yeah. eight cards. And she's getting more like scared every time. Like it's mm -hmm. really bothering her. There's oh, right, something right. about that scene. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> but then when Jacob comes in after the samurai has left, her response is, you're not Jacob. You're not my grandson. Yeah. Like, she, she forces him away. She's like screaming at him. So that was weird. I thought that was maybe a clue to the movie, like to, but it, it, even that doesn't it feel kind of David Lynch, like cl clues that don't really make sense. Oh yeah, not like not like they don't make sense to the audience, but I'm sure they make a lot of sense to the filmmaker. 
Yeah. Like it must mean something, but it's so vague that it's, you know, hard to pinpoint. Because when that happened, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's going to, you know, go. it's going to go down. We're going to start to learn stuff, but we really don't. No, because then after the scene I described where uh, the samurai is like kind of like he, he the samurai says you have to kill Horvath. You have to kill this old man and then we can go off. You have to prove to me that you're ready to like leave this cage. And he kind of refuses. And so the samurai does it for him. And and then the rest of the cop or well, what happens is the rest of the cops show up and the samurai realizes Jacob's called them and he get, gets disappointed, kills Horvath. But then the 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 he gets arrested. Um, there's 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 a scuffle. Like the Jacob overpowers him. And um, yeah. sorry, I'm just trying to kind of get to the ending because the samurai is being taken off to jail or somewhere, but breaks out while they're in the highway and ra- races off into mm-hmm. the woods. Jacob steals the police car and because he's like, I know where he's going, and he goes and they he meets them at the. Um, at the bag of meat. And here we get <laughs> a, a lot of surprise, full male frontal nudity. Um, very, yeah, very surprising. Because <laughs> <laughs> at first it's it's Jacob, or not Jacob, it's it's the samurai running naked through the woods, like yeah. fully naked and just like all out there bouncing around. Um, and then when, he, when Jacob comes across him, he's holding the sword and the samurai, Jacob's holding the sword and the samurai is down on the ground eating the meat and the samurai turns around and he's covered in blood and get a big close-up of his erect penis um yes fully erect (laughs) (laughs) which like is the clearest sign this is not an american movie yeah Um, it's like why is it unrated that's why it's unrated i know because (laughs) because the rest of the movie there is blood there's a lot of blood yeah It, it is not a gratuitous movie it's not like really explicit about a lot of things yeah. there and, are a lot of decapitations but outside of like horvath they're all pretty they're not that bloody or well, like, horvath and the leader yeah. of the the bicycle gang not the leader oh, but like the yeah, main one that that's ran. true yeah um, and then so and then a ridiculous european pop song starts playing <laughs> and jacob runs at the samurai and chops his head off and I, I kind of like the way that 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 head chopping scene looks because the camera it's like the it's like the camera is the head and the so the sword slices under it and then the camera tumbles back in pretty cool looking slow motion and there's like a arterial spray of blood and then like little sparkle of fireworks starts shooting through um, it it it's very uh, it's it, you know it's very flamboyant it it yeah it looks pretty it's cool. very well, it kind of fits the song because it's very like music video. It, yeah. Because there's like a lot of pyrotechnics and like colorful smoke. Uh, it looks really cool, and I I didn't I didn't think of that what you just said about the camera that it's basically mimicking the motion of the head flying off the body. I I did like because the the camera I think kind of maybe it doesn't spiral maybe the the smoke is spiraling but as it's pulling away it looks really cool in the slow motion. I also. I have to say that that song took me out of the movie. I didn't really like the song. I don't was, like the song at all. <laughs> yeah, it was such a bad choice. Like at, everything at the, looks cool, but that song is not fit that. It's it's a. I looked it up before, and I can't remember who it was, but I, I looked up the song, and there's a video for it. Like it was a, 
it was a hit in Europe in the early 2000s, I think. It's oh, wow. terrible. It, yeah. It really bad. Um, which, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say that, but I, I kind of like, I appreciate it now. I'm like, it's okay. It's kind of catchy for the moment, but on its own, like if you try listening to this song without the visuals or the movie, it's, mm-hmm. it's bad. Um, yeah. I'm trying to look up who the, the artist was just so we can give them credit for writing a really bad song, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to find it right now. But so the movie, that's not quite the end of the movie. We get a couple more seconds as the camera is panning through the woods. We come upon Jacob who is still there like at the scene basically. And he's, he's kind of just like swinging the sword around almost like he's fight dancing in an eighties movie mm-hmm. where he's just kind of like, like swinging it and jabbing it. Like he's doing a, a like, you know, he's, he's doing his forms in, in Kendo or whatever. And, uh, and then he turns to the camera and he's like blood faced and he's got kind of a crazed, angry look on his face, which is one of the things I was kind of like, well, what is this movie about? Cause if this is, if, if this is about embracing his own sexuality or, or freeing himself from his own mental cage, like, what does it mean that he's just killed that? <laughs> like he's <laughs> killed the, like the object of his, um, I, I mean, I guess, forbidden love is, is a way to put it yeah um but I, I think it i think that's what it means is that he he he's basically killed and become what he killed right like he's maybe not quite the samurai but he's certainly yeah. like no longer jacob yeah well this is also the only time that jacob kills anyone in the movie so maybe maybe it is that because that's the only like Maybe not the only difference between both these characters, but that's probably the biggest difference. Yeah. The samurai so so easily disposes of people when he needs to. Yeah. And and the samurai seems to be happy that Jacob has followed him. Yeah. And, and like kind of like offers himself up to to be um I mean, pretty much. I mean, I don't like he charges they charge right at each other and uh the samurai has no weapon. It's just, you know, uh, Jacob with the sword. And I mean, I, I thought that, that this would be, I was like, he's going to turn, uh, Samurai's going to turn into the wolf. <laughs> oh, but it did not happen. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think, I think it is in this movie's language that is Jacob embracing the samurai or what the samurai represents. Yeah. Um, but he's killing like like he's killing it to master it in a way or to become it yeah well uh, maybe the death is like the death we you know how we described it with the smoke and the, and the all the sparks and stuff maybe it's supposed to be kind of like like ceremonious a ceremonious death not really a, a, like a i guess a metaphorical death uh because of how unrealistic that you know the those effects are in in comparison to like what how other people die in this movie where you know they get decapitated and they bleed to death so this, to me it seems like that's like the sort of catharsis of the movie and is sort of this big flashy flamboyant gesture uh to kind of like accentuate the end of the movie well that and we never see the samurai's body we see the yeah. head fall off but we never see a body um so it, like did he 
kill the samurai or was the samurai not really real and doing that just kind of like released whatever the samurai was or yeah because because it wasn't really a spray of blood it was a spray of smoke and fireworks <laughs> yeah um, it, it, yeah that like that's it's kind of what i mean the movie is mysterious like there's so many questions and you can interpret things in many different ways um which is something like as a lynch fan i love <laughs> i do love yeah. that i love a movie i i love a movie that is a going for the fences striking mess right like yeah one of the one of the movies that i almost picked for this and even though it's like just barely within the decade mark is uh Francis Ford Coppola's Twixt, which is ah, a movie okay. I would really love to talk about sometime. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. It's I've never a, seen it. it. It is a pretentious, silly, goofy as hell, like self-serious, but also trying to kind of be funny. Like it, it's such a mess. It is such, <laughs> it is such a, a, like a fiasco that I love. Like I legitimately like think it, it is fantastic. Um, and I love that. I love like a, I love a big swing. And uh, even if yeah. it's like it, it misses, even if it's a strike, I, yeah. I prefer that to um, any number of bad movies that just fill streaming services these days. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But I, I love, I love this. I bought it and mm -hmm. like, it's free to stream on Shutter. It, it's, yeah. it's, it was not available for like a couple of years, I think, or a year or so, but mm -hmm. it's been on Shutter pretty regularly. And yet I still was like, no, I want to, I've watched yeah. this enough. I'm, I'm going to watch this enough in the future. I'm going to get a physical yeah. copy. It's also on uh, free on IMD TV uh, with, with ads, but yeah, yeah I, I watched it on Shutter. I, I saw that and I, I think I mentioned it to you because I didn't know if you had Shutter. Yeah. Still. I can't do it. I, I cannot imagine this movie being broken up by ads. Oh, yeah. This is not the movie. Like, I, I'll watch, like, movies with ads, but this, yeah, this is definitely not one to watch with ads. It would take away from the flow of the movie because it's, the flow is so, it's like, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a stream. It's just so, it's so calming and, and, and it kind of just, like, you know, you just feel the flow and you just go with it. Yes, like, kind of like a dream, kind of like a dream yes <laughs> man okay. yeah this this is a really good movie though i i really did uh enjoy it a lot and it reminded me of another movie that i really love that sort of is as confusing too uh high tension oh yeah yeah, <laughs> and, I, yeah i mentioned this movie in a in a one of my group text threads um and and she, the person who said this might might be listening but uh uh I'll, I expect a text if you hear me say this. But, um, <laughs> she said that she, one person on the thread did not like this movie at all. That, that, that's mm. Rick. Why am I being coy? <laughs> um, Rick didn't like this movie at all. Uh, and the other person on the thread, she, she said she, she just like kind of didn't really, or was getting tired of that, um, the extreme new wave. Which I oh. took to mean like the the European or French new wave is more like martyrs and inside and stuff like that. Yeah. And high tension. And I I was like, I was thinking about like that. I don't I don't consider this movie extreme at all. Like it has a couple of decapitations at the end, 
It has close-ups of, you know, male nudity. Um, but this movie doesn't strike me as like extreme in any of that. Like, oh, it, yeah, it, definitely. It, it doesn't yeah. like it, it doesn't seem like it's it's trying to like uh just be gross and shocking, even though I mean, yeah, yeah it kind of is trying to be gross and shocking a couple times, but it like the intention is different, I think, than extreme. And it 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 kind of surprises me watching it every time how bloody it does get because that's not what I remember about this movie. And it, I mean, it's not like, like I keep saying, it's not really extreme. It's not really gross. It just like, there's a, you see heads come off and I'm like, oh, I forgot about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, do you have anything more you want to say? I think we're, we've kind of covered it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, uh, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot. Uh, check it out. It's <laughs> probably a divisive movie, but. I, I think so. Like <laughs> considering like. You're the only other person I've talked to that likes this movie, and the other two just didn't care for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't. I I just it's on Shutter, so I'm assuming a lot of people have seen it, but I don't mm-hmm. see it mentioned very often. And I've never like had a discussion with anybody about it. So yeah, I was looking through. Here. Yeah, I was looking through some of the like the reviews on IMDb, like the user reviews, and like oh. it seems like a lot of people, at least like from some of the comments that there is sort of like a, maybe like a cult following for this movie. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I didn't even look at the IMDb rating. It's a 5.7, yeah. which I think for IMDb, that's kind of, that that's okay, right? Like, yeah, it, yeah. It seems like a lot of stuff trends yeah. low on IMDb. Oh yeah, definitely. It's not, it's not when you, until you start reading like the reviews, there's like, you realize that it's like, there's a lot of like really high rating. I mean, obviously there's going to be bad ones too, but uh, a lot of the like good reviews on some of these movies, especially some some of these like genre and B movies are actually pretty good. Yeah. I I think horror is kind of like, I mean, one of the things I I kind of love about horror fandom or community, fandom, I don't, I don't like the word. Um, The horror community is just how kind of like how open-minded a lot of people can be. Like people are, we're always looking for something um like oh okay uh, so Stephen King used to have an entertainment weekly column uh, and in that oh I remember that there, there's a there's a one of his columns he was talking about um horror fans are always looking you know for something new and he he said it's basically like horror fans are like junkies like that first hit is such a high we spend the rest of our lives chasing something like that oh and it, it's never going to be as good as that um fucking nailed it i know <laughs> but it, it's so perfect it's such a yeah. perfect explanation but i love that about the horror community that we're just like we want something that's going to thrill us we want and and for the most part i mean that you know you go on twitter for a, any amount of time and you'll find a lot of assholes who aren't like this but for the most part people are just like open to movies that come from anywhere people that have no budget and minimal talent, if they have a good idea and like enthusiasm, people are like, I fucking love it. <laughs> like do more of that. I, it's yeah. such a, it can be such a kind of like embracing supportive community. Yeah. I don't think like, especially now when I am trying to find something to watch, especially with horror, uh, but also with action, I never dismiss a movie over, you know, quality because sometimes the poster will give it away like this looks awful. But 
you read the synopsis like this actually sounds interesting and i i don't think like quality ever at least for me takes away from a movie being entertaining because i've seen movies that have been shot like they just look bad but the story is pretty decent and like what they're trying to do you can still find something that you can enjoy and connect with and i like that a lot with horror because there's like i've seen a lot and there's very few that i actually like like just dislike or never want to see again well i i i i see some people disagree with this sometimes but i Mm -hmm. first of all i don't think horror needs to be scary to be successful right a a lot of my favorite horror movies have never scared me (laughs) like i yeah but, but i love them um and also so much of what we consider to be like like take acting for example so much of what we consider to be acting or good acting is actually sound mixing lighting editing like mm-hmm. like if you watch behind the scenes footage of any movie no matter who the actor is it looks like a high school production it like you watch it and you're like that looks terrible like why are they sound, <laughs> why do they sound so awful saying these lines you see it in the finished movie and you're like shit that's powerful but yeah. you know you watch yeah. it like them performing it and it's just like it's people just reciting lines that you know surrounded <laughs> yeah. by a bunch of other people holding up various equipment and like over there there's somebody eating a sandwich and like it, <laughs> in it, a pro- yeah it, it's just it's stuff that you know, you don't it, like independent films don't have the budget for some of this stuff. And that's why people look at them sometimes and are like, that's bad. And they don't, it's not actually bad. It's just, they didn't have that the time or money for the sound mixing, like, or uh, they couldn't get the, you know, the same lighting. I mean, that stuff's like easier to do now, but it's just like, that's not a sign of quality at all. Right. Sorry. No, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I just yeah, I love I love the it's like things like this that you would never I don't know if I ever would have hit play maybe eventually, but yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure why I decided yeah. to watch it. I think just the the kind of the cover looks cool because it's the uh-huh. it, it, it's like the foreground is like the the village and then over the mountains is the samurai. And I thought like I didn't know that was a guy in a dress. I just thought like, oh, here's a movie about like some woman in a wedding dress with a samurai sword. This got a maybe this will have some Kill Bill type stuff. And <laughs> That's I what I thought it. too. It had it was nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, imagine the the shock of finding out it, it's nothing like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought I thought uh, yeah I thought she, uh, I thought the samurai was uh, a woman too. Yeah, but I mean, I I went with it, so it was mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I can't keep saying it. I love this movie. Um, <laughs> But I think I think we're done with that. I think we're ready to move on to our second feature and we will take a quick break and be right back. Noi marinai lo chiamiamo l'artiglio. Quello è un luogo che mette i brividi. Sono il professor Cornelius. Al momento non sono in casa perché così prevede l'esperimento per il quale vi ho invitato. E questo cos'è? È l'esatta riproduzione di questa villa. Guardate il suo pedone, si muove in tempo reale. Questo non è un esperimento, è una trappola mortale. Otto pedoni affrontano una regina. Gioca con noi, 
come il gatto col topo. Una macchina programmata per colpire in un determinato luogo, in un determinato momento. The Laplace's Demon. I'm never going to get used to that. But The Laplace's Demon, a 2017 Italian horror science fiction film. The film follows a team of researchers who have developed a system to calculate seemingly random events. A mysterious professor invites them to his remote home on a rock in the middle of the ocean to test his theories concerning the prediction of seemingly random events. All they have to do is survive the night. Uh, so this one I had not even heard of before you mentioned it. Uh, I, the, t- the title sounded kind of familiar, but I looked it up and I'm like, oh no, I've never heard about this at all. I decided not to look into anything about the movie before I started it. And I found it a very bizarre experience watching it. I, <laughs> I wanted to watch it a second time because to be honest, very honest, I was very tired the first time I watched it. I had to rewind it twice because I, I was kind of dozing off. Um, But I wanted to give it like my full and undivided attention. Um, But I, I was, I didn't know what to think of it. I was like, what what is is this movie? Like, is is this movie serious? Is there a bit of a spoof aspect to this? Because everybody in the movie is kind of a really weird character. Like the guy who smokes on a pipe and like, just like their facial hair and their mannerisms is all kind of like. Yeah, even some of their names, like one of the characters is named Jim Bob, and this is an Italian movie. Yeah, it's it, it, and like they're the ship's captain is such a like a character of an old like salty sea dog. Yeah, and it it's in black and white, which is cool. Mm. It's also got a lot a lot of CGI in the background, and they're 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 green screened into a lot of the scenery. And it's all taking place inside of the house, aside yeah. from the opening, so that it's really weird. There's yeah. something. Well, the 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 background wasn't actually uh, green screen; it was a uh, um, uh, rear projection. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. Right. So all so most of the movie was done as a rear. Actually, the whole movie, as far as I know, was done uh, rear projection for some of the background stuff, like like outside the the mansion and all that. That's so bizarre to me. Yeah. Like. I mean, I know, I know other directors do that. Like, I know um, Jean-Pierre Wannette, who did City of Lost Children and Amelie and, uh, and all that. When he did the Alien Resurrection, I, mm-hmm. I, like, almost everything was green screen. Like, yeah. like, they were not on real sets for almost the entirety of that movie. And I know other people have done that. But this, it's such, it is such a choice for this movie. And it is... It is not like they aren't trying to hide it like they were in the others. It, it's so obvious that they're kind of like not in a real environment sometimes or that something is not real, even though it's supposed to. Um, I don't, I don't want to like we're going to this movie. Is one you need to go into. Without knowing about it, I think you can listen to the rest of this, but we're about to spoil this movie. And yeah, <laughs> it, it is kind of like. It is a movie that once you know where it's going, a lot of the fun of your initial watch will be gone. So it, it's definitely it's like three bucks to rent it on Amazon. I think it's it's available most places. You get video on demand. Um, so I, I would I'm going to tell you right now, I do recommend this movie. Obviously, 
Carlos recommends it. So um, if you'd like, go and rent it and come back. I'm I'm not going to mind. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> we'll if, wait. If you don't, yeah. If you do not, if you do not care about spoilers, or if you have seen the movie, uh, well, go ahead and listen. But uh, before I get to spoilers, I just want to say this might be a spoiler. the the uh, the fact that everything in the background is n- like not there. <laughs> or you know some of it's fake some of it is cg um i i thought that was going to mean something at the end of the movie i thought there was going to be a twist there yeah. i thought there was going to be some revelation um uh, like just kind of like spoilers about my thoughts about this movie <laughs> what am i why, why am i saying that this whole thing <laughs> <a> spoiler. Is, <laughs> uh, that's they, a good phrase i like that <laughs> I where this movie ended up I kind of didn't expect because I thought that maybe that's why they did this I thought the twist was going in a completely different direction yeah. um I don't know how much we want to talk about the plot before we get into that because that that that's pretty much like the stuff the meat of it that I want to talk about but uh yeah so this team of scientists they're, they're on a boat they're going to the home of this other scientist who has apparently made great breakthroughs in what they're trying to do, which is uh, uh, like come up with an equation or a system of predicting what we would all otherwise consider random events. It, the title comes from Laplace's Demon. Um, uh, hold on. It, it, the concept uh, the concept form- formulated by Pierre-Simon Laplace uh, in who basically that like, I'll, I'll, there's a lot more to it. I tried to read a lot uh, into the, the theory, the little places demon. Uh, there's a lot more that he said, but in a nutshell, it, he, he postulated that if you, you had all of the data in the universe, like you knew the placement of every, you just had all the data in the universe, nothing would actually be random because you could then you know, you could then predict how things are going to bounce off of each other. Uh, and Laplace's demon refers to that equa- that theoretical equation, the way that you yeah. would do that. Um, so anyway, these people are, are working on computer models to kind of like predict ran- like seemingly random events. And the way that they keep showing this is they're working on a, a model of a glass breaking. They're trying to accurately predict how many pieces and where the, sh- the, the glass would shatter um, as if it's dropped from a certain height. And they get this invitation from this professor who has apparently made, made great st- strides in that, uh, that area. And they find this really, man, if this, was, if this was a real place, it'd be really cool. <laughs> there's, <laughs> yeah. there's like rock with a, a house on it. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a really cool old Gothic house. Like that's, it's part of why, like, I just couldn't figure out if this movie was being completely serious or if I was supposed to find some of it funny or not funny, but kind of like, like a pastiche because it, it's so clearly going for the visual style of a movie from the 40s or 50s, but yeah. not like the real style of those movies, but the way that they are parodied in pop culture. Um, oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I just had to take a drink. Um, so I, I was like, 
I was like, how I, I was thinking to myself, like, how much of this should I be taking seriously? And then the plot starts and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I like this concept a lot because they, find, they come in and they find that exact replica of the house and inside the replica are, how many, is it seven, nine pawns? And the pawns represent them. Yeah. And they are at... I think it's eight. Oh, okay. The eight pawns are accurately mimicking their movements wherever yeah. mm-hmm. wherever they go within the house or in the room they, the pawns in the, the clockwork machine do the same thing but yeah, it, it's basically the like the equation at work <laughs> like it's showing the characters and the audience like they're moving but it's you know it's predicting like you know the movements of these characters like in this and in, in the exact space that they're in yeah the the way it, Oh, well, I was going to uh, was going to jump ahead to something I hadn't discussed yet. But uh, so then they get a videotape. They're basically locked in, but they find that out by, by because they have a, a videotape from the mysterious professor who tells them that he has figured out how to predict everything. Uh, and he, he knows every little movement they're going to make. He knows exactly what they're going to say. So he tells them, like, anytime you want to talk to me, put this video on. And like, they're like, oh, he's doing it live. It's a trick. But they take the tape out. They pause it. They rewind it. There's a moment where they rewind it. And what he has said has a different meaning now because they're asking a different question. But his answer fits that as well. It, yeah, it is really like it's a really fun reveal. I loved I loved everything about the video and that yeah that was such a cool touch like <laughs> it's such a trip did you so you've seen videodrome it it reminded mm-hmm. me of ryan oblivion on videodrome yeah. who's actually been dead for a long time and there's just a bunch of tapes left of him saying things and, <laughs> yeah. or did you ever watch that adult swim show with Pat oswalt the heart she holler no i've never seen that oh my gosh that's <laughs> like it the second season came out all at once or they, they did, they released it like over a week instead of uh, once a week. So you just like for seven or six or seven days, you could just watch a new episode. Uh-huh. And Amber and I at the time DVR'd it. And so we binged it on one weekend day, which was, I mean, that does something to your mind. That show is so weird. But <laughs> there's a character who, who dies at the beginning of the series, but has made all of these videotape conversations to his son so people keep putting videotapes in and they just have old conversations with him but it's supposed to just be a videotape he made before he died um it it, so it that this reminded me of that it's kind of like a i mean i can't say it's a trope it's shown up at least three times but it's still like it's something that when it had like i i love that concept a lot yeah i i I like a, there's a lot of like really neat and really creative things in this movie that I like. And one of the things I, I really like is is the style of how of the movie. And it's this very world is this very fake looking world to us. And I think it kind of um, is sort of like by the end of the movie, it's a revelation to the characters that the world that they they thought the the way they thought the world work is not the way that it, it you know, it actually is going to work or how it's working in this movie. 
so it sort of adds to that and it, it feels a lot like like those classic movies from the 30s and 40s who that are somewhat horror that had themes and then that were much larger than maybe some of the other b-movie horror at the time uh like uh what's some island of lost souls and um let's see uh, there's another uh, oh uh, uh the most dangerous game it reminds me a lot of those movies and although those movies are more kind of serious they at because of when they were made some of the dialogue doesn't always work and some of the acting so it does feel very hokey and i think that maybe that's what the either i, I think i'm on, i'm with you because there are aspects of the movie that are kind of silly but it's hard to tell if it's on purpose or not and i but i do think that it does kind of add to that uh layer that component of the film and it make does make it feel like it is an old like i don't know like an old movie or something it I, it's but you know it looks modern but you can tell that it's something that is supposed to look like uh from that era well i'm going to tell you like what i thought the revelation was going to be at the end mm -hmm. was i thought the revelation was going to make sense out of the fact that everything looked fake by revealing that it was fake, that this was their program, basically, that they were like, it would have been a Twilight Zone-ish episode where they are, or Black Mirror, Black Mirror did an episode very much like this, where they're they're basically like they're they're pawns, but they're they're or they're they're just ones and zeros in the program that is a, about determining like about determinism versus free will, right? Like, right, yeah. We would we would reveal that everything in the house looked fake. That so much of the props they interact with are CGI when they're not in their hands, because it is all a. Um, uh, sorry, my brain just completely went blank. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. It is all a simulation. I thought yeah. it was going to be the the reveal. Um, yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense too, because also like we haven't talked about like the queen. Uh, which is a giant coffin that roams around <laughs> when the when the um, when the uh, what is the the cylinder like uh, uncoils or when some weights drop uh, one by one they're gonna get taken out that according to the the man in the videotape whose face we can't see it's usually just like a reflection off of a glass or something and uh, he's in silhouette but this queen comes out it's like this casket that opens up and 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 the person is stuck in there but there's there's nothing to signify that those people inside are actually dead so that i i agree with your simulation theory because when i first watched that i thought maybe it was something like that by the end you know all the players involved come out and they're all fine but it was just this crazy kind of like david fincher uh the game uh just mass conspiracy to try to prove this theory right or you know wrong or whatever yeah i that that's a good point I, when people were getting really scared of the coffin, I was like, mm -hmm. what? Like, what makes them think the coffin is killing them? It looks pretty comfortable inside. It's all padded. Yeah. <laughs> but they, it does. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they look scared because you can, there's a little eye hole and everybody that gets caught has kind of like a startled expression. Yeah. But that's like, well, everybody would if a coffin just popped up behind them. Um, yeah. It, so I was like, why? I was certain. I was so. 100% certain that it was going to turn out they weren't dead, especially when that the the sole woman in the cast <laughs> is taken by the coffin, because uh, she seemed to be 
our main character for quite a while. Yeah. I, I mm. what it, it's um is it uh Carlotta Mazzoncini? Mazzoncini? Yes. Is the actress's mm -hmm. name? Yeah, she plays Sophia. She is our our she is our main character until suddenly she's not. And I was like, oh, well, she'll come back. That was a weird thing that they just yeah. got rid of her right now. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, they they never. Well, yeah, she she also comes up with the plan uh, of the the well, the five uh, pawns versus the queen kind of like setting up like a, uh, a battle plan because they don't know what to do, because in on the videotape, the, the, the man says that, you know, they're all it, it's inevitable. You're all going to you know, by the end of the night, you're all going to be gone. <laughs> and, you know, they still try, despite no, despite knowing that information, they still attempt to survive, and, which I think I, I, I think that this movie kind of has like a, a metaphor there, like kind of that's, I, I feel a little bit more clear than in uh, uh, the, uh, their samurai, mm -hmm. uh, just kind of like the, the, the whole determinist aspect. And then you have the inevitability of death. And you know, it's I, I don't think it's an accident that the that the thing is shaped like a coffin. And it's something maybe that that explains everyone's reaction. It's something like that symbol and that idea, that, that visual is kind of is very scary, uh, probably to a lot of people. So just having that as that metaphor and then you know, finding out that no matter what happens, we have no control, according to this movie, uh, of our actions is all it could all be predicted and pre-calculated. And either way, you know, you die <laughs> at the end of it. It's like, you know, you got you just got to face that you're just another piece on this in this game, and you know, one way or another, you're out. Yeah, that coffin is such a weird choice. It's a really cool image, but also it's like, how does that work exactly? When it moves, we see sparks underneath it, which mm -hmm. now I'm thinking might be maybe machinery or some sort of mechanism but i took in the movie that to just be the sparks of it scraping against the stone floor um because it, it i mean it doesn't appear to be on wheels we never see it move down the stairs but we see the queen in the the, re, the replica yeah. go mm -hmm. down the stairs so it's like well how does that work and like it, it's one of those things where sometimes in a movie like the the set design is so baroque that i wonder like well but why would people design it to look like that like why would people because <laughs> you imagine like once we get the reveal of who the the scientist is which well, i'll get back to that minute. once we get the reveal of who the scientist is that's kind of putting them through all of this you think back about the movie and I'm like, oh, so he built that clockwork on his own. Like, I like I, I like to just imagine these villains in these horror movies just making these things and like like sitting in a workshop and building these. And it's so mundane. Like they're they're yeah. just like putting together an IKEA bookshelf or something. And like <laughs> like thinking of how he he got that coffin to move and like what a what a weird way to get people out of the house <laughs> or to like take them off the board. Or, <laughs> However, yeah, like it, it, it's just like I get the symbolism of it, but when you actually have to do it yourself, I think something easier could have been could have been chosen. Yeah, it's actually quite elaborate to prove this complicated theory, where the the theory itself is complicated, but the process of it is not. It's like we're living out our daily lives. That's you know part of the equation, 
it could have just been like it could have been a room like just one room you know in the city but they went on this whole trip on this like uh, to this island that's why i like i like the kind of like it's it is kind of silly and it reminds me of those like movies that i used to watch that just kind of like arriving on this mysterious island where something really weird and bizarre is happening and it, it kind of doesn't make sense like how did they how did they like build all this like in the most dangerous game like how did this how could something like that even be allowed to happen on on an island where the you know rich people hunt other people <laughs> yeah well the example i always choose is dark city where like the the machinery of the um the aliens like is is so elaborate like it it's a hollow human face that opens up and there's a clock in it and like all of this stuff and it's like two stories tall i'm like why would they design it to look like this why wouldn't they just make something functional <laughs> like, <laughs> and and then and then i think about it i'm like oh well look around like how much of our architecture is just decorative and also mm -hmm. yeah. before people start thinking i'm too like pedantic i get it I understand that there is an emotional aspect to set design. I'm just being picky right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I go ahead. I had nothing. Oh, I was going to say the movie that this most reminded me of mm -hmm. is Cube. Which uh, movie? Cube. Oh, Cube. Yes, yes. Cube. Yeah. I love Which, Cube. I watched it again just like last year. It did not hold up for me uh, really? very well, which I it it hurts my heart to say that <laughs> yeah. because well, I've only seen it once, so it, I don't. And it was fairly recently too. This was one of the first DVDs I bought because it, it came out on DVD in '98. I had just gotten mm. a player. It was like one of those rare DVDs that was not thirty dollars. It was only fifteen dollars new, and mm -hmm. it had like deleted scenes commentary alternate camera angles documentaries like it was like that it was just like oh shit i gotta get this this is a bargain <laughs> and i love that movie so much for years and i i don't know it just i don't, I don't think it aged as well as i would hope maybe watching it new now i i get that same feeling yeah but i think um there's like sometimes a movie grows or you grow and you go back to the movie and you're seeing it as a different person and it's like saying something new to you and then sometimes you get a movie and you've kind of grown a little bit beyond where that movie was at the point at that point in your life and yeah you like you look at it and you're like well this is i'm just not the same person i was and this movie isn't saying anything to me now so yeah that yeah I've, yeah i've grown out of all like i used to really like the movie not not really like but i was a fan of the movie uh uh boondock saints oh, and Okay, well, I'll let you finish. Yeah, and like I haven't seen it in years, but I know now, like thinking back on it, like I don't know if I would enjoy it as much as I did back then. Like it was a, a a point in my life where I was starting to watch movies. I had just discovered Tarantino, and I was looking for more movies in that kind of style. And I discovered that movie, and I thought it was a cool, fun action movie. But I don't know if I'd enjoy it now because I've grown out of, out of a lot of Kevin Smith movies. There's still some that I really love, like Clerks, but. Um, there's some other ones that I'm like, oh man, I used to really love this. Not so much anymore. Uh, the clerks movie or the, the Kevin Smith movies. I love, mm -hmm. I loved, I still love, 
Um, I, I will never really feel for Chasing Amy what I thought about it when I first saw it, when I was like 19 or 18 yeah. or whatever, however old I was. Oh, yeah. I used um, to love that movie. And now it's and like... Ooh. I respect it. I, I actually like... This is, we're going on a huge tangent, but I, I want to wrap this around. Um, <laughs> I, re, I respect that movie a lot. I think it has a much more mature attitude about sexuality than people even some of oh, the, yeah even some of its fans might might not kind of like appreciate it for like for how measured it is the idea that like i know there's a lot of people that are upset that like um that amy goes straight for ben that like he she is changed by ben affleck but it's like that that seems realistic to me people's sexuality isn't always a, a linear path people yeah. like evolve and she she clearly did in the course of that movie which i i think like especially like since kevin smith's writing about the relationship he was ha he had with that actress it, mm. it seems like seems very uh very generous and mature <laughs> even though like at the time he was kind of immature and freaking out much like ben affleck was so i I appreciate that. I, I, the movie is just not for me. Um, yeah. But otherwise, like I, I still love clerks. I still find mall rats hilarious. Mm -hmm, um, definitely. I even, I even really, really like clerks too. Oh, uh, I, yeah. I actually really liked that movie. <laughs> James on Bob strike back. I didn't like, but the, the last yeah. one, the reboot I thought was pretty fun. Like I was like, yeah, I think, I think now I'm at the age where it's just like, yeah. Like Kevin Smith, he seems like such a nice guy. I want him to just be able to keep making movies. And if they're yeah. not for me, they're not for me. But I want him yeah. to be able to keep doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, what I like about it now, like uh, since he's like kind of stepped away almost, not completely, uh, but from the VSQ universe, is that he kind of explores some of the other like genre, like he's done horror movies. And I think that's really cool that he kind of does these weird oddball things. And like sometimes they don't work and sometimes they do. Uh, but I like that he's like just you know doing whatever like on. Well, now uh, he's going punch. back to he's going back to Clerks Three, so he's yeah, yeah. in the mm -hmm. universe. Yeah, yeah. I, but yeah, like what a great alternate career he could have had if Red State and Tusk had been bigger hits. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think they're both really good. <laughs> yeah, I Red State, I I like up to a certain point, and then it. Yeah, I have a, a complicated. I haven't seen Tusk. Um, oh wow, that yeah. that one's goofy, but I like it. Yeah, um, but I saw the one he did after. It was a yoga, uh, yoga oh, hosers. I I still yeah. I don't know if I can do it. I haven't that <laughs> one because I. It yeah. sounds, it's it's him and Johnny Depp's daughters, and it yeah. just seems like such. It's like when it's, Robert Rodriguez is just making movies with his kids or for yeah, his kids. Like, yeah, exactly. Good for you. You're a great dad. Yeah. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it seems know. really like personal. Like, you kind of just like it's really just for you and your family and friends. <laughs> like, you didn't have to release it. You could have had private screenings. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't like. I don't want to shit on the guy. Like, no, no. I, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, like I like his movies. He gets a lot of cr uh, crap. Like, yeah, he he's such a punching bag, but he's such a nice guy. He's mm -hmm. a really good storyteller. Like when he's talking, yeah, um, and and like, I don't care. I like I they, I like I liked Clerks too. I'm looking forward to Clerks three. Um, mm -hmm. But to bring it back, yeah, uh, what movies we outgrew? 
Boondock Saints is a really good example. That's a movie I I liked too. And then I think it. I think I got I got over that one really quick though. <laughs> like it's just like it. Like especially thinking about it now, it's just like oh man, how toxic that movie seems in your memory. Oh yeah, that's part of the reason why I don't want to go back and watch it because I'm like I I just feel too embarrassed. To <laughs> that, I like, oh well, man, that's why I had to admit I liked it too. So, you wouldn't, yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, they even have like the scene with the cat, like the cat says, like, Oh, come on, I love cats, can't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think about those two characters now, even though I love Norman Reedus, of course, it just seems yeah. like, Oh, they're these, they're the like mouthpieces for a generation of incels. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, uh, i think we should get back to the movie <laughs> yeah yeah man we went on a crazy tangent we talked about kevin smith and uh <laughs> this some of this might be an episode. i don't know i can't do any more bonus episodes i'm gonna be yeah. doing a lot i i i should have said this up front i think uh-huh. the show is about to go bi-weekly oh really yeah i'm, I'm yeah. gonna do weekly through october but i uh-huh. i don't think i can keep up a weekly yeah. Uh, schedule because it, it's like it takes up most of the day to edit and put it together and mm-hmm. i can't do it during the week because i get home and i'm so exhausted but i want to spend time with my family and i yeah. feel bad just like sitting on a computer with headphones on so oh yeah I fit, yeah <laughs> and then it's the weekend and it's like uh-huh. i've only got two days and like it most of one of them is going to be taken up by editing so i can't yeah, i can't do yeah. it every week anymore um yeah but I want to keep doing. I want to keep doing it. But yeah, I, yeah. Back to the movie. Back to the movie. So it really bothers me, the title, and I cannot tell if it's just translation or not. But why is that the in there? Why is it the Laplace's demon? It's just yeah, Laplace's demon. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a bad translation because on IMDb, underneath the English title, it shows the original Italian title and it's Il Demono di Laplace. So like in Italian, that makes sense. But I think that it was like a direct translation and it's a bad translation. It's supposed to be the demon of Laplace, Laplace, Laplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes that makes much more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I looked it up, I'm like, that seems really like wrong. Like, I don't think that's right. And I kept reading it. I'm like, I think it is wrong. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's, glad it's, I wasn't the only one. It's a minor detail, but it yeah. bugged me so much. Um, so I, I think maybe we can get to the the big reveal because all of the all of the characters are kind of picked off one by one. Everything that they do has been guessed everything that they do that seems like it's a new decision is actually just falling in line with the prediction um and but then that brings up the question of like 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 uh like what what am i going to say like if they hadn't been trying to do something new or break out would like would they have done the same things no they wouldn't have like it it is a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, the fact that like they're trying to do something that hasn't been predetermined. Uh, yeah, the movie kind of plays out like an indirect uh, character study because I think that all the characters act accordingly. And I think that, that that's part of what goes into that equation 
Like it sort of reveals a lot about how, like, I think, uh, is it Isaac is the character is kind of jumpy and kind of just um, does things on impulse. Then there's, uh, who's like the de facto leader, like the guy, the skinny guy with the beard, with the kind of, not a beard, he has like a, like stubble and the mustache, but he, I yeah, forget his yeah, name because I'm looking at all the names, but they have no pictures. And I'm like, none of these sound familiar. But like, like even like the way that, that, that he acts and his decisions affect what happens to him. And I think that that's all part of the plan because it's who these people are. And you, like you, you react to, to, to events in, in, in a way it, it's different for each person. Like you don't react to, you know, the same incident. You, it, it, when you're dealing with a group of people that everyone has a different approach if you i mean and it, it makes it it, it kind of makes sense as the story fi uh, finishes uh, finalizes but carl is uh, carl's approach is very scientific to everything he's calm he's collected and he's gathering data to trying to figure out how one what's going on two how to get out of there but as we find out later uh <laughs> we all yeah. know why he he knows like the yeah you know well, there's there's some interesting character stuff that is completely just shading and doesn't always pay off. Like there's the uh, who's the character that keeps like he tells this story twice about how he saved a boat by calling like the Coast Guard or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, like how how great he was at handling the radio. And he's like, it's very difficult to handle two channels like that. Like yeah. he was like and, and but he tell he he we don't always get the full one, but he tells the story at least twice. And you can tell he's just trying to impress whoever and like the other person never cares, but he doesn't pay attention to that. He just keeps telling the story. Um, right. That comes up a little bit later because they're like, oh, there's a radio. Why don't you go and do, why don't you go and make a call? Like you're, you're really good at the radio. And he, you can tell that he's like, he's like, he's almost going like, Gulp. like, yeah, he's so <laughs> nervous about it. Like, and then somebody's like, no, that, that, that won't work. And he gets like really relieved. And it, it's like a, a little thing, a, a little sign that he was lying about something and it, yeah. it never comes up again. Like, that's not like, I thought yeah. like, oh, he's gonna, they're gonna send him up there and he's not gonna know what he's doing and something there's gonna be shenanigans with that. But no, it's just like, it's a, a really brief bit of dialogue that never comes up again. But it, it's kind of like, funny and enlightening about his character yeah there's there's a lot of like dead ends in the movie where because the characters are killed off or presumably killed off um like their arcs never really fully complete or at least complete at different rates yeah like sophia that, that sophia that's what yeah. i was saying when like i was so surprised she died because it seemed so obvious that there was more to her story and that we were yeah. going to be following her for a while and then she's gone and i was like oh she's it, I, that's why for the longest time I refused to believe any of them were dying because I'm like oh they're going to show yeah. up in a room somewhere yeah um well also I feel really bad for the for the guy that took him there on the boat because he could have gotten off at the, when when they arrived he just needed a signature and I think it was Carl that was like uh did we hire you we're not going to sign for that I mean if 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 one of them had signed like it's like it's obvious that you know they arrived he, he like if he had just signed the papers he wouldn't have been in this situation so i kind of do feel bad for him because he wasn't part of it but clearly he was part of the plan because <clears throat> excuse me there were uh eight pawn pieces so like that was meant to happen and it kind of like it kind of it gets you thinking about you know some of the things that 
happen to your day-to-day life like like taking a route a different route to work or whatever on a day on a, a random day that you normally don't do that and then something good or bad may happen and that was the case with that character that it wasn't like he was chosen by any kind of outside force it's just like carl refused to sign that paper and now he ends up with them in the house locked in well so carl Carl Hines is like one. Like, yeah. Like Carl. Okay. So big spoiler of the movie. Carl is the professor that has made the videotape. And part of him standing by and not doing anything is because he knows what's supposed to happen. And he kind of like, I, I think he doesn't want to interfere too much, but how much can we say he has solved this equation when he is, influencing things whether he wants to or not like of like 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 the example of the boat uh captain like the boat captain would have left if carl hadn't kind of like prompted him to come with them on the island so that that's not free or that's not you know predetermination there that is carl making it happen uh and along with other things like his inaction itself is in action because he's not helping he is like kind of pushing the other characters to act the way they do um right up uh, until yeah. the, the end of the movie like the very end of the movie uh, which i guess we can talk about now um where it, it is revealed that carl is the one who made the videotape and he's talking to himself and it becomes clear that the end of the experiment to prove there's no free will. Carl is going to commit suicide by stepping into the, yeah, the coffin. Coffin. And the way that plays out is very. To bring it back, like oh, you word we've used a lot this episode. It's very mysterious because that he drops a glass. Like he's he's scared. He doesn't want to get in the coffin. He doesn't want to do it the him on the videotape says something that kind of shocks him or scares him and he drops a glass and the him on the videotape is like see it broke into exactly 237 pieces but the glass didn't break it just hit the the floor and rolled a bit and so then he's like the video is continuing on he's having a crisis that he couldn't like his his equation failed because he did not accurately predict this moment um but like I don't know how to read this because the end result is he gets into the coffin anyway because apparently he's despondent that all of his work and killing all of his co-workers amounted to nothing <laughs> yeah but did it because after he gets in the coffin the glass does shatter and did the him on the videotape from weeks earlier kind of like trick him in like did he was did he wipe that or like forget that or like manipulate himself into getting into the coffin the end result was the same whether it was free will or not <laughs> I, I i on this second viewing i felt differently about the end i i think that there's part of it because there is a contradiction in the fact that carl is giving himself a choice because he's giving himself uh, him and him, himself the choice of, of whether or not to go into that coffin, but he's saying that ultimately he is going to end up in that coffin. And I think that the because 
I thought it was so strange. I forgot that the glass doesn't break when it falls. And Carl on the videotape keeps talking as if like following a script because it almost seems like he is not hearing the Carl that we're seeing in the mansion because he's like, look, what are you talking? It's not broken, it didn't break. So I think that for a second that there is a possibility that we do have, we can break out of that mold and have free choice. Because I think the reason that the, the, the glass shatters is because everything kind of goes back, at, everything goes as planned. But Carl had the opportunity to, to, to disprove that. And it would have, it's sort of like a, a fracturing of a timeline of like, well, you know, which path are you taking? Are you gonna prove this theory that we have no choice? Or, you know, you have the, you can prove that there, there is choice. But, but like within itself, that's a contradiction because you can't, really have both so it's like one or the other yeah and i i just come down to the fact that i think it's a flawed experiment the the fact that he made himself a part of the experiment taints all of it anyway like you can't yeah <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't say he proved anything because his being there and knowing what the result was supposed to be threw everything else off. If he hadn't been there, people may have acted completely differently. Mm -hmm. But just his, like I said, like his inaction, the things he said to him, the fact that he prompted the captain to stay on the island instead of just going back like he would have done normally is, yeah. um, is kind of like leaning to the fact that he influenced the experiment and it, it doesn't, it, like he predicted things pretty greatly, but you can't like, it, like it, it's not genuine. Yeah, I think that, yeah, like the movie is set on this in on this in mansion on a rock. And I think it's sort of like a, like the, the microcosm of like the way the world works, where I think there is some sort of determinism in the way that we act that I think throughout history, like it, it has shown that if you act in a certain way, uh, if you just think of like political leaders, and, and their decisions in running an empire, that those affect what happens to the people around them. But I think that we have the choice to break out of that, but because our egos are so big and there's something to prove, because the reason that Carl goes into the coffin is because he's like, I could be a failure? Like, no, that's unacceptable. And I think that that's like a huge ego thing. Like if we just let go of our ego, we can have the free will to do whatever we want, but we keep, sort of going back to the system that doesn't really work that hasn't really evolved and it's still this old like we don't really like when you like my clock is my phone like I don't have a clock anymore and I remember as a kid my mom had one of those old alarm clocks and just using that technology that sort of technology in the movie of the cogs it's so like very outdated piece of equipment because all of that is like that's like eight like nine uh sorry uh, what is it 19 uh 19th century like technology <laughs> like it's not modern at all and even the use of like the videotape is like by this point i don't know when the movie's supposed to take well there's a cell phone so it, it, i'm assuming it's well and um, the computer model of the oh right yes movie. yes yeah so it's at least in the 21st century um and I just think that that's the contrast of like this old, because this is a really old, the, the Laplace's demon theory is like really old. And it's not, it's, it's still like a valid uh, argument towards, uh, you know, just uh, trying to determine what 
our existence means. So it bringing this idea, because it, I, it, I, it, it feels like, is this movie trying to say that the world has been determined, that all our actions and emotions and everything that we do has already been predetermined and we're just going through the motions or do we actually have free will? Yeah, and I think the movie very pointedly does not come up with an answer to that. <laughs> no, think, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it is it is trying at the end to kind of have it both ways like well, maybe it's all determined and maybe it's not. Yeah, it it's so weird. It seems like I think you're right though. I think it does prove that there is a flaw because a flaw in the experiment itself. One, like you said, including himself within that experiment and being the sort of controlling factor of all pretty much I mean he's the reason why they're there. And and the reason why the 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 boat, the captain is also there because he knew he hired him, but he doesn't know that he doesn't know that the, the driver. So like that's that's how you, you know, you have that eighth piece. So like, I don't think that that was maybe predicted as being, you know, there's going to be eight people and there was supposedly seven. I think that was all part of the plan. I think you can plan certain things to go, you know, accordingly. Yeah. But there's that, that small chance that, because they they speak a lot about in the movie about like the impossibility of some things. Like they mention it in the beginning and later on. I forget the line. I wish there was like more info on this movie. I really couldn't find that. But there's like, no trivia and i don't even know if imd would have quotes from this movie but they keep because they keep bringing that up i don't know if you uh, remember any of the lines about uh things being impossible no i don't okay yeah well i'll see if i can read that uh but uh, if yeah i mean sorry go ahead i don't mean to slow, no, slow no, you're, down. you're fine you're fine um no no quotes on IMDb. <laughs> he's only he's only directed or written one other movie the guy who did this apollo 54 and that was 10 years earlier it was 2007 oh. imdb doesn't even have a plot for this yeah you're right there's not a lot about this yeah um i i enjoyed it i i kind of had a some problems with it that like talking now i'm getting a little over um mm -hmm. i do want to watch it again sometime it was a very interesting movie did have a like a a, a fun whodunit aspect yeah and it, it is interesting to see basically a horror movie about the argument between free will and determinism like <laughs> it, but i also after a while i started to get a little bit like I had so much talking and I was so tired. <laughs> uh, it, it is, it, yeah. It, it, it was kind of like a very, it was like a philosophy major remake of Saw. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Kind of. I, I like the philosophical aspect of this movie. I think there should be more philosophical horror out there. I, I think that that's more terrifying, like these ideas of like existence and, uh, to, at least to me is like really like because like we know so little about like you know why are we here where do we go after it we don't know a lot <laughs> the universe is so big it's like it's we're just like a a fraction of it yeah uh, kind of crushing think, yeah I think the best like um I'm trying to think oh gosh like the the best cosmic horror sometimes gets to that 
but yeah definitely it, it always becomes about like well it's a big giant monster but like i don't know it, it it's hard to kind of get through that like the vastness of everything like like yeah convey that that um have you ever like this is, we're not going to talk about it because it's more than 10 years old uh have you seen Pontypool? No, I, I don't think I've heard of that one. Oh shit! We're gonna do an episode on that at some time. <laughs> wait, wait, let me look at how do you spell it? Pont. What's Pont? P O N T Y. Oh T Y. Uh huh. P O L. Okay, it's one word, right? Yeah, it's actually a, a town in or a, a city in Canada. Oh okay. Oh, um, it's an IFC film. It is. It's a zombie movie and it takes a lot for zombie movies to kind of like wow me anymore, but mm -hmm. it is such a cool concept because it's a virus that's spread through language. It's something in language is like, it, so people will hear things and start behaving oddly. They'll start repeating phrases until they, just, until they just not, don't make sense anymore. And it, it just causes like this rash of violence and it's, it all takes place in a radio station. Um, oh, man, that's so cool. And so you don't actually see most of the carnage, but it, it, it's, it's just such a cool, cool fucking story. I love it yeah. so much. So this movie has like one setting, like it's just in the... It goes outside like oh, okay. for, for like, there's like a montage in the middle of the movie. And uh -huh. the the but the movie opens with the DJ getting to work for the morning uh, morning oh I see shift yeah. and then it stays in the radio station the entire time. Oh yeah. man, it's, yeah, it's, it sounds it looks really cool. It sounds cool too. It's fucking awesome. They've been yeah. they've been like it, they wanted to make a trilogy. The guy who directed yeah. it, uh, Bruce McDonald, it, like he's kind of a a known uh, director in Canada. Um, or like, you know, he's done movies that people have heard of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he wants it to be a trilogy. The writer that wrote the book and the script wants it to be a, a trilogy, but um, they haven't been able to like get funding for it. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. But it, I, I wish, I wish they could. It's really good. Yeah. Man, I think it's on shutter. Oh yeah. If it is, yeah. definitely make that one of your, one of your views. This, this yeah. Morning. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I think I think we're about done. Unless you have anything more you want to say, we're going to wrap up the Laplace's Demon, or uh, what was it? Il, il, uh, uh, it's Il Demon, Il, il Demona de Laplace. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. De yeah, Laplace. That, yeah. My pronunciation was terrible, but I like that title better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so we're going to wrap that up, and we will be back after just a short break. All right, and we're back and we're about to get going. Uh, but last thing is just uh, how are things going over at Dial F? Uh, anything you wanna send people towards or any any cool, uh, oh, you're doing your Halloween stuff this month too, so. Yeah, it uh, really quick, do you know where, uh, is this the first uh, episode or second episode for October? Do you know yet? This is gonna be the first. It'll, oh, probably, okay. it'll probably be out next week. Next week, okay, so, okay, got it. 
Aaron, uh, you're going to be also on my first uh, Halloween October episode this month, and we're doing uh, ghost movies, and we're doing uh, Poltergeist and the original uh, uh, The Haunting, which I'm really excited for. I haven't seen The Haunting in a really long time. Uh, Poltergeist, I, I I watched a lot because my my daughter was really into it when she was younger. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and she and she she had like the the trilogy, like she wanted to have all three, and she liked the whole series. Um, oh man, but... that, that those sequels, <laughs> those sequels get kind of rough. Yeah, they 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 do. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, and then a bunch of other stuff. Uh, uh, I can't remember some of the other movies, but that's your episode. I'm excited for that. Uh, and we're gonna keep it horror for the month of October, just uh, just like on your show. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, me too. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so I said it earlier. I'm gonna edit it out. I'm gonna say it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're gonna be doing a lot of fun stuff coming up this month. You're like we're doing horror movies. Like I said, we're doing all recent horror movies this month. I have a, a few bonus episodes planned. I have a really fun Halloween special planned. Um, I have a big announcement to make. Uh, I'll go into it further later, but for right now, uh, maybe it's a good one, maybe it's not. I think it's good. The show is going to be going bi-weekly for a little while after October, like through the holidays and maybe in the next year. Um, I'm going to be doing just one episode every two weeks. Um, that's As you've noticed, listening listeners, <laughs> uh, it's been a little bit inconsistent lately because work uh it is really taking up a lot of my time more than when i was in quarantine of course and uh just i love doing the podcast but also um i really like spending time with my family and this takes up a lot of time doing the editing and so just it, for the time being i'm going to go to one every two weeks so that i'm not you know every week spending so much of my time uh in a room away from everybody with on a laptop with headphones and a microphone um but yeah, uh, like stay tuned for October because lots of fun stuff coming up. Lots of good guests. A lot of good guests. A lot of guests. <laughs> we're, we're, that's a little teaser about what's to come. But uh, on top of this, everybody should check out Dial F for Film. Remember, you, you go there, you find them. I'm sorry, did you mention Twitter and Instagram and all that? Oh, no, I didn't. But uh, yeah, they're at Dial F Podcasts on both Twitter and Instagram. That's right. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well at two headed pod. And there's also a Gmail two headed podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's it for us. <laughs> ha- uh, you know, happy Halloween uh, month, happy October month and stay tuned. We will be back next week with a couple more new ish scary movies. Bye. Bye.